We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Jake Burns checking in. OBR Film Breakdown. It is Saturday, March 11th. A little late delivering this episode as a crazy Friday night with helping my wife with work and then uh, just no time to record. So I'm not going to put anything fresh out today. I usually have a Saturday mock for you, but we will hold off on that and have a more fun post-free agency. Uh, the first week rush of free agency we will have a Saturday mock for you next week. Uh, but listen, should be a fun week ahead. We're previewing a lot of free agent prospects. Things are going to get crazy on Monday. We saw the first crazy trade between the Bears and the uh, Panthers. It was uh, a Bears fleecing, in my opinion. We'll cover all of that, maybe even for t- an episode tomorrow. Should have some time to record tonight. So I will get all of that out to you. For today, we're just going to have a quick-hitting replay of OBR Weekly with Barry and Fred. Always enjoy getting some other voices on this podcast and more exposure. They are fantastic. Barry, the founder of our website, and Fred, our beat writer. Enjoy it. Check in tomorrow for a fresh episode. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for March 8th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and the web dork of the Orange and Brown Report. My job here tonight is to relay questions from the YouTube and Twitch chat rooms, <clears throat> and hopefully you guys will have some questions. And uh, I will relay them to the man who is uh, on the right side of the screen from me, uh, who will provide the actual insight and intelligence in the program. And that is Fred, the legend, Greetham. How's it going, Fred? It's going pretty good. Feeling under the weather earlier in the week, but feel like I'm coming out of it. All right. Just in time for all the action of free agencies. The tampering starts on Monday. Uh, and uh, the actual action starts a couple of days after that. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that you guys have a ton of questions, uh, and so we will get to them uh, as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, I've got questions as usual, but depending on how many you guys fire at me uh, while we're going through it, we'll get to yours uh, very quickly. So uh, please hit us up. Um, 
let's uh, let's start with some of the news of the week. And I think the biggest news of the week that affects the Cleveland Browns didn't actually happen in Cleveland. It happened in Baltimore, where what we're calling Lamar Mageddon started uh, yesterday as the Ravens tendered supposed franchise quarterback <laughs> Lamar Jackson with the non-exclusive franchise tag um, uh, on Tuesday afternoon, meaning uh, what that means is that he can sign an offer sheet with another team. Other teams can propose contracts with him. He can sign an offer sheet with them. The Ravens can then match that. And uh, the uh, uh, if the Ravens don't match it, the team that signs Jackson to an offer sheet can gives them two first-round draft picks and runs off with their – erstwhile franchise uh, quarterback. Um, it was a surprise that it was a non-exclusive franchise tag, right, Fred? Because it doesn't give the Ravens full control over Jackson's fate. He could be signed by anyone, including an AFC team at this point. And are you a little bit surprised that they, they didn't do the exclusive franchise tag and keep him out of the AFC? I am. I do think that. You know, there's a lot of smart people that know how to get around rules and loopholes and so forth, especially in the NFL and with the salary cap. Um, You know, if they love him as much as they say they do, that they're going to do whatever they can to keep him, then, then I don't think that they should keep any loopholes out. I remember... It's a different situation, but, you know, you had the franchise tag and then you had the transition tag. And back when Alex Mack was going to be a free agent, the Browns kind of thought they were going to be smart and put a transition tag on Alex Mack, I think Mm -hmm. is what happened. And they actually off. And essentially, with the signing negotiating the contract, well, I think it was the Atlanta Falcons signed him to so much money in a certain the way it was set up that that the Browns couldn't do it. And and I've read some things about the Lamar Jackson that there could be teams that could offer so much in the first year that they couldn't get, they couldn't free up enough space to keep right. I mean, they have to give up like 20 players or something. Um, the thing is, is unless somebody goes all in with something like that, I doubt if there might not be any action with him because they don't want to do all the work for the Ravens. You know, like right. if, if an AFC team or a competitive team you know, signs him to a four-year, $180 million deal. You know, I don't think he'd agree to it, but whatever they did, um, you know, the Ravens just match it, and they say, well, we had to do that because we would lose him. So I could almost see nothing happening at all, and this stalemate continues. Mm -hmm. But it is a – it is a little interesting to me, and I don't know. I'd like to what you think, and what some of the some of our people watching think is that you know when you think at least 
when I think of like representing my, myself, you know, there, there's a lot of lines about going to trial or, you know, or not having a lawyer, you know, you're right. almost, almost unheard of to not have a agent or a lawyer representing or 7% or whatever it is, but I almost thought that would be an advantage because if they're talking just to me, I'm really surprised that he's held his ground, you know, like he has. So, so really, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of the, the stage I another route right now. Or... All right, Fred is having some trouble with his internet, uh, so I think he's bouncing out and then bouncing back in here. So you're stuck with me for a few minutes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about with uh, uh, Lamar Mageddon is is obviously the reaction of all these teams that have instantly gone out and said. Um, look, we're not going to chase them, right? Um, you know, uh, teams that need a franchise QB, like the Falcons, you know, they've got Desmond Ritter, but, uh, I mean, come on now. You know, Lamar Jackson's a proven franchise quarterback. He was an MVP. Uh, Panthers, Dolphins, Commanders, Ravens. Uh, <laughs> hey, OG Phillies, good to see you here. Uh, you know, there's just a, a large number of, of uh, teams that went right out and told their local beat writers or told the national press, hey, we're not going to chase this guy at all. And it comes off looking sort of suspicious, you know, to a, little, to a certain degree. Now, granted, Lamar Jackson is a guy who uh, has had uh, injuries, you know. Granted, he's a guy without raises contract demands, but the fact that all these teams all of a sudden – uh, went out and said, we're not going to chase Lamar Jackson at all. We're not even going to talk to him. Is to me a bit extraordinary. Uh, Fred, I think you can pick up what we're, what we're talking about here. We're talking about the lack of, you know, the sudden lack of interest in a very dynamic quarterback uh, in Lamar Jackson. And um, question coming in from Kevin Cycle is, is the union pushing him to hold the line on a guaranteed contract you know at the same time the question is you know on the nfl side are they pushing back the other way that they don't want to see another contract like deshaun watson so the question for you fred the disinterest coming from all these other teams right uh do you think that it's due to jackson's contract demand his injury history the fact that they don't even want to get into you know, discussion about the contract, you know, for their own salary cap reasons? Or do you think it's due to something a little bit more nefarious? Well, I'm not going to go out on that ledge right now, but I think Good. that I think that it's something a little bit like I mentioned prior is that knowing that the Ravens can match any offer, a team would be 
negligent if they just signed him to an offer sheet that the Ravens could match. And now you're showing, if you have an existing quarterback, you're showing him that you didn't really believe in him. If you don't have an existing quarterback, you know, then you're, you're really tipping your hand and I'll believe it when I see it. These teams that have said that they are not interested in pursuing him. Um, you know, it was interesting in the Deshaun Watson case because you basically had to bid and show your hand. And so everybody knew you couldn't do it. Like these teams want to be in so much, um, secretive, you know, negotiations and they couldn't, they had to, to bid like on the bachelor or something, put it all out Mm -hmm. there and hope they picked them, you know, and you got a different a different narrative here. You cannot tell me that if you were willing to go all in to get Deshaun Watson and pay him, you know what you did, even before the Browns came in with a guaranteed contract, the cost, the three first rounders and multiple picks beyond that, that 13 teams went in basically about anybody that didn't have a franchise quarterback was after him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think Deshaun Watson is good. I think all the way as a football player, I think if he's at his best, he's better all around than Lamar Jackson. No disrespect to Lamar Jackson. He's the MVP winner. But I think that um, he would have a lot of interest for sure. If Watson had 13 teams go all in to get him, I think there'd be at least 10. So unless the only thing I could say holding it back, because these teams, I don't think, you know, they want to do what's best. I don't know, even if it's against the owners, um, mm-hmm. I think that they would go after, because they know their jobs are on the line. If they need a quarterback, they're going to go get a quarterback. It's going to be more so that they don't want to do the bidding and negotiating to let him go back to the Ravens or, Maybe there's something in the injury history that bothers them to, you know, they've already seen what he's turned down and what he's asking for. Yeah. What I mean (laughs) about the contract too, is that the guarantee demands that Jackson have has are so large that if you write this guaranteed contract, you have to put, have that amount of money that you can put in escrow. Right. And not everybody, you know, Mike Brown, you know, or guys like that, not that they're in the bidding for Lamar Jackson, but guys without the financial resources of a Jimmy Haslam simply can't do that, right? They can't even get into the game, you know, if they know what the stakes are. It's like me playing Texas Hold'em. I'm, I'm not even going to get into the game because I can't, you know, I, I don't have the money for that. And, you know, that might be the case with some of these guys as well. But, you know, it, it doesn't look good you know, certainly. And a lot of fans are, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to reach their own conclusions uh, about what it is. Um, And and we can debate it all we want. You know, I I don't think there's any way to prove what exactly is going on here. Uh, But uh, it is, let's say, very, very interesting uh, what's going on with Lamar Jackson. So it's really, it's really um, a secondary fallout of the Watson deal. The Browns now, you know, last year, everybody, they were on the hot seat, but right now 
all these other teams have to deal with it because, I mean, look at Daniel Jones got a four-year, $160 million deal reportedly. And, I mean, there was question if he was any better than Baker Mayfield, you know, or at least on that level. And Geno Smith just signed like a three-year, $100 million or something deal. I mean, mm-hmm. the Watson deal is probably going to be a bargain here within a couple years. And now you have the Ravens. Arguably, you got the, the Bengals and the Ravens, but the both those teams are right in your way to get to the playoffs. You're now really causing some real strain for the Ravens, you know, in, in what they're going to do because their quarterback already feels like he's being um, less valued, even though they're offering him a lot. And if they go with, you know, the readings I saw for them to even get to the, like the 45 million, cause you have to, you have to clear the cap for it. You had to cut like half their team and, you know, so it's going to help the Browns, I would think all the way around. So I think yep. the best thing here is, you know, let this drama continue and maybe Jackson just says, you know, I'm sitting out, I'm not going to report, you know, or, drag it out as long as it can be done, you know? And, and so I just think that, you know, this is some of the fallout from the Watson signing and part of the reason why the owners weren't so happy with it. It's not so much, you know, they want to win too. And and so it's more mm-hmm. of a competitive thing that, like you said, not all of them have the money to set aside. And as more and more of this gets, you know, these quarterbacks come into play, how are they going to do this? How is Mike Brown going to come up with, is it just going to be Joe Burrow and the rest of the team of undrafted free agents or, or what? So it's interesting. I think it will be real interesting, but we'll see who starts pursuing him, you know, on Monday. I would think if somebody pursues them, they're going for it. They're going to go with so much money that the Ravens can't match it if there is such a thing. And he's, he is, you know, I I know there's all this doubt out there about his injury history and how well he throws the ball, but he is a very dynamic player. He's a guy you have to scheme around. And as uh, Daniel Neinberger Neinberg uh, points out from the YouTube chat, you do have to tailor your offense around Lamar. Um, And maybe some teams don't feel up to that, but, you put him on a team like the Lions, for instance, and I think that you have a team that vaults into, you know, the discussion uh, all of a sudden about a team that could challenge in the NFC. Um, another comment out of the YouTube. What track, about the Falcons? From, I mean, absolutely. The Falcons absolutely. were going for Watson. I don't know. They have the money and they have the dome and they have an owner who owns Home Depot. I mean, I was surprised to see them say they weren't going to pursue him. Yeah, he he jumped uh, or they jumped to the top of the list in in terms of teams I thought that would would be chasing Lamar Jackson and they you know were the first ones to say no we're we're not going to do that. Um and Darko, I I I have heard, you know, that sort of suggested or rumored I I don't think it's been proven. You know, I don't think anybody 
can definitively say that's why Lamar didn't play those last five games that he, you know, anything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we certainly have heard that suggested from time to time that there was a, uh, uh, that there was a, uh, uh, uh an element of that. Um, <clears throat> A uh, couple of other uh, points I would make, Fred, just based off of your comments, uh, the notion that the Watson contract won't be unusual in a couple of years, I agree with completely. Uh, there's always this game of leapfrog when it comes to contracts. You know, what seems like an outlier one year seems normal a couple of years later. I am old enough, and I think this has been documented pretty well, that that, that we are both mature individuals. I am old enough to remember my father ranting and raving about Willie Mays earning $100,000 a year as a baseball player, you know, and how crazy that was, how nuts that was. And now, you know, what does your first year undrafted free agent get, you know, playing and playing football? What seemed crazy one year and a couple of years doesn't seem crazy anymore. And, well, I remember uh, I, the Indians – signed their first real big free agent was Wayne Garland to a 10-year contract for 2.5 million. I remember that. They had to spread it out for 10 years to make the payments. And you're like, oh, that's like minimum wage now. That's below (laughs) minimum wage um, for one year. You know, so yeah, it's look at the Haslam's, you know, they bought the Browns for a billion dollars. What was it, eight, nine years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, the Broncos just went for four and a half billion. Right. You quadrupled your portfolio. If that's the only investment you had with one investment and it's not going from a million to 4 million, it's 1 billion to 4.5 billion. Right. You know, that's way more zeros than you or I, or most of our audience can fathom. <laughs> right. And I would say if you had a million, you went to four and a half million, you'd feel pretty good. The billion thing is out of this. So, so that's why exponentially these numbers just keep growing. And it's all because of the TV contracts and the amazement at the NFL product, no matter what they do, it just keeps growing and growing and they keep finding more and more ways to make money. Now they've right. tapped into the, the, you know, the betting, gambling, you know, money. And so I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger, you know, and it's evidenced, you know, we're in March here and we've, you know, we're talking to a lot of our friends about the Browns, you know, six months from the first game. Yeah. And I think technology plays a role too. Live sports is the one thing that you can't, you know, you want to watch it live. So you don't tape it and fast forward through the commercials and watch it later. You know, you can't stream it a week later. You have to watch it live. You have to sit through the commercials. It makes it especially valuable and the money just keeps getting greater and greater. Hey, we could talk about this Lamar Jackson thing for an hour. It's fascinating. Uh, but let's move on to some Cleveland Browns topics. One that I think is particularly interesting, Fred, is uh, an article that appeared on NBC Sports a couple of days ago from uh, uh, from Matthew Berry is his name. And it, it talks in one segment about the Cleveland Browns offense and what it's going to look like in 2023. And uh, let me read this quote from it. 
It says Cleveland's offense is going to be really interesting this year. Look for the Browns to add a speed wide receiver this offseason to go with Amari Cooper. One source told me, quote, they are really going to open up this offense. Go five wide. Pass a lot. This is going to be Deshaun Watson's offense, not Nick Chubb's. They will pass a lot more than people expect. So a couple questions for you, Fred, given that. Number one, are you buying it? Do you think we're going to see such a dramatic offensive makeover for the Cleveland Browns this year going away from the run like that and becoming a pass-first offense? Well, I don't know if it's if it's out of the question. I don't know if it's going to be that dramatic, but I do see them opening it up because I think you have to. Why did you get Deshaun Watson? He's You didn't get him to hand off 30 times a game. You got him to make plays with his arm and with his legs. And I think that everybody thinks, oh, we're not going to be run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and be predictable. Mm -hmm. Think a little outside the box. I've been saying this, and I think most of our fans get the ball to Nick Chubb more. I don't think necessarily does he have to have 12 touches just running the ball. I'd like to see him get five, 10 receptions a game out of the back. Exactly. Think about him out in the, out in the open one-on-one with a linebacker or a running back. I said that with Kareem Hunt, you had both them here, send them guys out. There's just so many defenders on the other side of the ball. That's why I think if you get another top receiver and you send out Cooper and Najoku and people's Jones and, Nick Chubb and another top receiver, they can't cover them all. And somebody's going to be in a one-on-one situation. And if they are covered, Watson takes off and runs for 25 yards. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for is explosive. You know, you see that with Patrick Mahomes, you see that with Josh Allen and those offenses. So I don't think it means you got to be in a pigeonhole oh, Nick Chubb only touches the ball 10, 12 times a game running the ball. I think he'll get his share of running the ball, but I think that you just have to use him in the passing game, you know, way more than you have. And it might have been because you had Kareem Hunt here, so you felt like you had to take Chubb out every time it was a passing down. Right, right. Now, (laughs) I guess the other question I have is – what are the implications? Obviously, I, I think it's it, I think it's pretty obvious what the implication is at wide receiver, right? We're going to need more weapons. We're especially going to need somebody who can stretch the field and catch the ball. So uh, Anthony Schwartz may not qualify there. We may need to add somebody. Um, <clears throat> but we're also going to need uh, an offensive line that can handle Deshaun Watson dropping back you know, looking for that open guy, scrambling a bit, running around, you know, and not maybe being exactly where they expect him to be every second of the play. And I'm just curious about your thoughts about whether the offensive line that we currently have is best suited for that or whether you feel confident that Bill Callahan can get them ready for that sort of an offense. Well, they're going to have to be. They've committed long-term to – three of the five, the big contracts and Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio and Jack Conklin for at least the next two to three years. 
And then you have a decision with Jedrick Wills, but he's your left tackle this season. Mm-hmm. And then the only question is center. And unless they sign Posick, it's really going to be Nick Harris. Unless they they surprise everybody and, and sign a free agent that's an offensive lineman. I can't believe you draft somebody and expect him to be a starter, especially when your first pick isn't until the second round. And I think the fan base would go crazy if they used a second round pick on an offensive lineman with all the needs they have on the defense. So, no, I think that most of the offseason and spring and training camp would be by Bill Callahan trying to get them to work together and understand the nuance of Watson, you know, in pass blocking and maybe maybe go a little more emphasis in pass blocking than run blocking. A mm-hmm. lot of the guys they have are are more run blockers. So I think you got to work with what you have. They're talented. And so um, remember Watson didn't have a very good line the last year he played. I think right. he was sacked 62 times, but he still led the NFL in passing yardage with 4,800 yards passing 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So I I think that they are not going to be the worst offensive line in the NFL. So I think that they will be competent in pass blocking. I think the biggest thing is just getting them on the page so they don't get downfield and get penalties, you know, because Mm -hmm. he's extending the play. And so that's what I think they're going to spend a lot of their off season trying to get, you know, that pass blocking and get in sync as much as they can with, with that style with Watson. Yeah. So, so aggravating to see a great play made by the quarterback, you know, who's improvising and then get that legal man downfield penalty just drives me crazy. And uh, fortunately we've got Bill Callahan on our side uh, on the Brown side. And uh, uh, you know, that's going to be one big element to watch. Uh, during the preseason and uh, early season. Um, You know, a little bit more from Stefanski talking about the offense. He was on a show called Pardon My Take today, uh, kind of a lighthearted show from the Barstool sports people. Uh, And he did really well. I mean, Stefanski, if you see some of the clips, I'll have them in the newswire tomorrow, uh, came off very uh, personable. You know, it doesn't come off like he does necessarily during pressers, is, is kind of wooden and robotic. Uh, He did a very nice job on the show. Uh, But uh, he was asked uh, about the notion of establishing the run first, you know, uh, running with Chubb in order to set up the pass. And Stefanski said, you know, that's a fallacy. You don't have to establish a run to throw it. Play action. It's been proving you don't need to have a good run attack or be running the ball. There's a lot of good data behind it. So this is something that Fred that's been sort of hardwired into our brains over the last 20 years that you have to establish the run in order for play action to be effective. Um, are you buying it? You buy the analytics on this, that you can have an effective play action game without first demonstrating that Nick Chubb is going to run over you all day. Yeah, I do. I, I, I saw that even with the Browns, and I saw them doing that somewhat, throwing on first down, picking up six, seven, eight yards, kind of a quick toss to the tight end or a back. 
and then running on second down, picking up the first down. So <clears throat> I think the big thing is moving the chains and, you know, make up so much more ground. Why do teams go to, you know, in the hurry up passing every down is because you can cover a lot of ground with chunk plays. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's really, I really think that I don't, I feel that that's what they're saying and what they want to do. I just want to see them commit to it because I really think that you can solve a lot of your woes with an explosive offense. I mean, if you're putting 35, 40 points a game on the board, even with a poor defense, I think you're going to win a lot of games. And I think that that's what's been missing is they averaged 20 a game under Mayfield the last year he played injured. Last year, they averaged 21 a game. If they never scored, you know, 40 points last year, I don't even know if they scored. They only scored 32, I think, was the highest. Mm-hmm. And that that's not explosive. And, and so with Watson, he ought to be, you know, worth another touchdown, you know, over what they've had in the past in every game. And so... Stefanski cannot play it close to the vest anymore. You gotta, you gotta just be an attack-minded offense and get a lead. And then, if you need to pound the ball with Nick Chubb and eat the clock, that's what you go to. Right. But I think that you get that lead with an explosive offense. You know, down the field. They didn't even really have a down the field big threat last year you know once in a while cooper would get open deep or people's jones but that's where i think you need another receiver and you really spread the field and and hit them from all angles so right i hope that you know that they're attack minded and whatever is the most explosive because we've seen the past teams you know i think teams that would log up to try to stop the run you know, they didn't have an effective passive game, so they're able to do it. Now, if they try to do that, I think Watson will take off running and they got more options. And and if they, it's just all the way around, you got more threats. And that's why I just think you can't sit on what you have on offense. I really think you need to add another playmaker at the top of the offense, primarily at wide receiver. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Daniel uh, Neinberg, again, sort of echoing your point here about, uh, you know, Chubb may be in for a very interesting season if he's not facing eight men in the box, you know, with a pass-oriented offense um, like he has, uh, unfortunately, in the past uh, had to face. Uh, one more question from uh, my side before we go to uh, uh, chat room questions. And uh, please uh, feel free to uh, fire off any questions that you have uh, for Fred. Uh, and uh, uh, we will uh, dive into them during the last half of the show here. Uh, last question I have is, is concerning uh, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, Fred. Um, he obviously wants to be traded. Uh, he said on the Pat McAfee show today that he would have some quote-unquote contract flexibility should he be traded, which sounds to me like an uh, aging veteran uh, who wants to win, uh, wants to go to a winner who might be a little bit closer up to the salary cap uh, than, uh, than others um, who are farther away from winning and might be willing to do something with his contract in order to sign with a team that's competitive. Um, with that piece of information, along with the day notion that the Browns would have to probably deal a day two pick to get Hopkins, uh, would you have any interest in him? for the Browns. Hello. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I, was afraid I, I was don't worry mute. about all the, you know, I'll get in trouble with a Jack Duffin here. I don't worry about the money down the road, you know, in two, three years, I might not be around, you know, as far as if they can pull off a deal like they did with Amari Cooper and give up, they give up a fifth round pick for him. They had to take on that salary and they immediately restructured it. You give up what a day two pick a second or third round pick. Yeah, I would do that in a minute. And then, you know, you would have had talks with them ahead of time on the, on the contract. That's the type of guy. I mean, that's, that would be, that would be probably top on my wish list. If I was, mm -hmm just as a fan speaking, because he's better than Amari Cooper. I say right. they need to get a guy at least in between Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples in that ballpark. Um, but I would put him at the top. And then you have a big time weapons. There's other players though beside Hopkins, but oh yeah, I'd kick the tires and explore that any way I could. I mean I'm, I don't think he's more, he's like, is he 32 or 30? I don't know what exactly is age-wise, but as far as um, I think he's an elite receiver and you put him, he has a relationship with Watson. They play together. I think that really was start of the beginning of the end for Watson in Houston. They traded him. If you remember the great Larry O'Brien trade, you know, being mm -hmm. his own general manager. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, one of the best moves that Eric could get is if he can find a guy, maybe not Hopkins, maybe Brandon Cooks, maybe another receiver that's under contract that a team wants to trade, you know, to get out from under their salary and make a trade. Then you, that was this weekend before free agency a year ago when Cooper kind of came out of nowhere. If there's something like that to be had, maybe not even wide receiver, maybe a defensive end or defensive tackle or even safety. That's what I would 
you know, like to say Barry pull off if he can, because then you don't get caught in a, you think you got a guy and then another team throw, you know, out bid you at the last minute or use your right. leverage or something. So, oh, I think that would be great. All right. Full throated endorsement from uh, Mr. Fred, the legend, greet him there. Um, let's, uh, let's go to some of the uh, questions from the chat room. Again, if you got them, fire them off, and uh, I will line them up here for Fred as we finish off the program. First question comes from the ever-reliable Fumble13. He's always got great questions. And he asks, would you be disappointed if Andrew Berry doesn't make a quote-unquote splash free agency signing? What's your take, Fred? Well, the one thing in free agency is there is always the unknown. It takes somebody else to agree. You can't say... I want Barry McBride and, and everybody might say we got to get, but if you don't agree to the deal, then we can't, and there's nothing I can do about it. And so a couple of years ago, Trey Hendrickson, I thought would be the, the, the slam duck splash move, you know, and he went to the Bengals. I don't know how the Browns, how far they were in it, but they took Clowney. Um, I would be disappointed because I think, that that has been right or wrong. That has kind of been Barry's MO. His first year he came out of the gates and got, you know, immediately Austin Hooper. I mean, 1201 or whenever. And don't make the mistake, think free agency's Wednesday at four o'clock. You know, early in my career, I wrote down Wednesday at four o'clock, and then Monday at noon, I'm out fishing or something and I'm missing out on everything. It's gonna be 1201 or so. You're gonna the mm-hmm. big names are going to already have announced where they're going. So anyway, um, Cooper was immediately Conklin an hour after that, you know, and then the next year was John Johnson. Last year it was the trade for Amari Cooper. So I think Andrew Barry's going to have a free agent lined up if he can't pull off a trade or both. I don't know what position it could be defensive tackle. It could be defensive end, edge rusher, could be safety, or it could be wide receiver. But a lot of that will dictate where else, where else she goes with it. I would like any of those positions, but it's really, you know, if you go Jesse Bates, you're probably not going to get another big name guy. I don't know how you can right. get with their with their structure, how they can get too many top free agents. They might be able to get one, maybe two. But if you could get a trade and a top free agent, I think that would be more than a slash. All right. Um, I, I would not be disappointed if there isn't that big free agent signing um, and they get a whole bunch of grade B guys to fill in, you know, all those holes that are in the lineup, as long as they're smart about how they spend their money. That's my take is, you know, worthwhile as that is. Uh, question from Mr. Robinson. He says, who would you guys rather spend an entire week with in the Browns organization from a player to an owner? I think, think picking Andrew Berry's brain for a week would be awesome. A second close is Watson. What about you, Fred? If you had a, a, a week to shadow anyone in the Browns organization to learn as much as possible, uh, who would it be? Well, that's quite an interesting situation. Um, 
Well, I, I would probably say player aspect. Yeah. Um, I think you learn as much as you can out of Deshaun Watson. It would also be for selfish, you know, to have a better relationship, you know, in the media and talking to him. But as far as overall, I'd say I'd like, I'd kind of like to hang around see what Jimmy Haslam's doing and what he thinks on a lot of these issues. So that would be, you know, just this is 30 seconds in thinking about it, you know, without mm-hmm. pondering it, that's kind of, kind of where I would think. Yeah. In my case, it'd be D Podesta because he's like the man of mystery. You know, nobody, he doesn't make, he's not available a lot. Uh, he's very influential, but nobody knows exactly how influential he is. And he's a fellow nerd. We could talk nerd to nerd, you know, as much as possible. Uh, in he's, he digs computers and stuff like that. So uh, he's a guy I'd hang out with for a week. Very interesting question, Mr. Robinson. Thank you. Um, let's go to uh, the next question. Uh, let's go a couple of uh, Lamar Jackson-oriented questions. Um, question here from uh, Exalted One. He says, do we know who all the team had formal interviews with at the Combine? Um, well, there's not a list or anything like that that the team puts out, right? We basically have to hear that from agents and the players themselves during interviews and things like that, right, Fred? Yeah, I mean, that's, um, to me, is never really a big a big thing for me because especially when you don't have a pick until 42 in the second round, you'd have to have, you know, access to about 100 guys to to I would think to throw a net to know anything about who they might be thinking about at 42. I mean, we can look at all the prognosticators and it's just hard. You don't know what's going to happen. 41 picks in front of them, but no, I've seen it. You can put it together, you know, different places, you know, from agents and from players on who they met within their interviews. They usually are asked by a reporter from that city if they met with them or not. Um, to me, I don't know how much value that is there. They have so many of those. So they're over there and they're meeting with them sometimes. There's more disinformation than information. You know, a lot of teams mm-hmm. bring in guys just to try to, you know, get other things to think they're interested in them. Or also right. for down the road, I've heard GM say, well, we interviewed this guy four years ago when he was coming out in the draft. And that's why we signed him now as a free agent, because we knew this about him and we liked, it, you know, or whatever. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of reasons on those. But I don't I don't think anybody's going to put any of that information out. Right. We uh, we've been compiling some. And uh, Brad Ward has a list of, I think, about a dozen players that he's going to be putting into an article here real soon. So keep an eye open for that. And it's just stuff we've accumulated through, you know, various uh, various sources, you know, online and, you know, in the media and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and we're just compiling and, and putting it all together. Uh, so we'll have that fairly soon. But it's not a formal, complete list. And the other thing is, I mean, teams talk to as many players as they can, right? And like Fred intimated, it's not necessarily uh, 
everyone that they are interested in immediately. Uh, uh, but yeah, one one of the things that Exalted One follows up with is uh, uh, that there's a lot of tight ends that have been mentioned as being interviewed as a position. I, I see uh, Tucker Craft, Cameron Latu, Luke Show, Showmaker, uh, all guys, all tight ends that the Browns have talked to. So there does seem to be a little bit of interest in drafting the tight end. You can infer from that, right, Fred? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, they've tried the, you know, the Carlsons, the third or fourth tight end, Miller Forrestal. You know, they had a couple guys on practice squad, you know, Zare, Mitchell, Peden. You got Harrison Bryan in the fourth year of his rookie contract, and they may be looking not only for a third tight end, but somebody they feel that could become a second tight end um, right. behind Najoku. So I think they're always looking at that aspect of things. Harrison Bryant, you know, as a rookie, looked like he was really going to blossom, and he's kind of seemed to have plateaued. You know, at least this year didn't seem to be, you know, he, he just seemed to like when he did catch the ball, he just kind of fell down. He he didn't really have any runs after catches, you know, or things like that. So I don't know what they're thinking, but they're always, those things all are in the equation. Plus maybe, maybe they don't want to re-sign him or maybe they get the idea that, that he wants more than he's worth or whatever. I don't know, but I just think that mm -hmm. any way you look at it, they need a third tight end because Pharaoh Brown, they picked him up on waivers and he's a free agent. And so they've, they, they want competition and the draft sure. is a way to add those guys. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, more questions that we have here. Um, question from coop 83. He asks, who, in our opinion, should be the biggest free agent target for the Cleveland Browns? So I guess the one free agent out there that uh, you couldn't live without, Fred, who would that be? Well, I'm not going to scoop myself. I mean, you guys, <laughs> I started five steps okay. to get Here's to the playoffs for you. today. And number five is out, and it's linebacker. And I name in there who I would sign. And tomorrow is number four. And we go all the way to Sunday, number one. And I've listed, you know, what I would do in that position. But you should go read it if you haven't at the OBR.com. But I would say if I could just pick one, probably overall, make the biggest impact to me would be Javon Hargrave. You know, somebody that somebody that could immediately step in and be a disruptive force on the defensive line. We still here? Yeah, I've got some sort of music playing in the background. I have no idea where it's coming from, so I'm trying to figure that out. In the meantime, you a question. Um, and that is, uh, is Will's the long-term answer at left tackle? You answer that while I try and figure out what is. Um, well, I think he's going to have to be this year. And then unless they draft somebody, you know, in the, in this year's draft, um, to replace him. 
And I don't think you're going to do that with a second round. I don't see him, you know, spending in free agency for a starting left tackle. And, you know, on the other aspect of it, um, the only other would be a trade, like we've mentioned, trading a guy under contract. But I, I think Jedrick Wells, they're either going to live or die with him. And this year he's going to be that guy. They're going to hope he steps up and, and plays up to getting the fifth-year option, you know, and, and getting a second contract. Fair enough. Fair enough. I figured out the offender. It was Siri. Oops, I better not say that. She'll start playing music again. Um, Tysox15 says there was a photo of Deshaun Watson working out with Jalen Darden and Marquez Stevenson. Any hope he develops chemistry to catch lightning in a bottle with these guys or others? So down in Texas, he is working out in a facility with those two guys and Jalen Darden's brother, I believe. Um, have you ever seen anything come out of those off-season workouts where these guys just develop a chemistry and it carries over into the regular season? Or is that uh, maybe false hope, Fred? Well, I think it's some false hope. I mean, I, I think more than anything, you, you always a lot was made out of Baker Mayfield and OBJ. And, you know, we saw where that went. Um, I think more than anything, it's, getting to know them and having a relationship maybe as, as human beings and that you trust one another and your friends and you go to war with them and so forth. But it really, I think it's more when there's real bullets flying, so to say, and you develop that in practice and competition. It's a little different when you're out running in your, you know, in your swimming suit on the beach, you know, or whatever, you know, it, you know, you're not going to get hit, you know, a lot of that. Right. Sure. I think there's some good that can be done with it. Trust that can be developed, but I don't know if that's going to make, you know, Stevenson or Darden, you know, the go-to guy this year. I, I know that a lot of that, if Watson is playing at the level he has showed he can play at, it would make a lot of players that are average or no name type players look a lot better. You see that with the Chiefs this year. They won the Super Bowl, and all the receivers that caught passes, the wide receivers, were all in their first year with the Chiefs, and he makes them all look a lot better. And and so a David Bell, a Anthony Schwartz, all of them could could look a lot better. But I just don't think you can take a chance. I would rather have a veteran that you know is coming right in and is going to be productive day one and not hope one of these younger guys emerges because I think there's too much at stake. But, yeah, I think it's good. It's it's camaraderie, all those type things. But I don't know if it's going to make the difference, you know, come September when they play their first game, you know, that, oh, I worked this out. We did this down at, in Texas, you know, in those, on that sand lot or that local high school or college or wherever we were working at. Right. Right. Uh, makes total sense. Makes total sense. Um, a couple of other things that uh, uh, I want to chat about. Um, uh, this question from Daniel Neinberg, uh, a reporter at another website uh, says that the Browns have Hargrave, Bates, and Ngakwe on their radar. 
I know they have plenty of restructures they can do, but that's a lot of money in three players. Um, I, I, I guess I would, I would say, Fred, you know, that is a lot of spending uh, to have all three of those players on your radar simultaneously. Uh, and I, I don't think she's suggesting that the Browns are going to go out and sign all three, uh, just that those are three players that they're looking at. Uh, but could you see something like that happening? The Browns making enough salary cap room to go after three players of, of that magnitude? Well, I don't think they're going to be, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, disastrous with their spending, you know, and, and be, you know, not be prudent. But I do think you have to cast a net, and and that's where in my series, I don't know which direction they're going to go, but I think that he'll make a splash and go at the top in one of those areas. Who do I think is the most important area? Do I think it's wide receiver? Do I think it's edge? Do I think it's defensive tackle? Um, do I think it's safety? I don't know what they think. That's what matters. And mm-hmm. opportunity, you know, can they get, if they could get those three guys, all of them, they, I don't think they would. I think they would get a top tier guy in one position, maybe more of a, a second tier at the other positions. There also are plenty of one year type older guys, you know, a guy like Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham, they would be splash signings, but they might be one year deals with a lot of incentives. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to get three long-term big splash contracts, but I would take several, of those one-year star guys to come right in and, and play at a high level on an incentive-laden contract. So I think you have them on your radar doesn't mean you're going to pull the trigger. Just like you can't just pick one guy at a point because if he says no, then you're left out. You might have mm-hmm. to go after two or three at the same level and the first one to agree is the guy you go with, you know, it, you just can't say, Oh, y'all want to come with me. You know, they've got to have that, you know, they got to have priority. Like this is our top priority one, a one B or whatever. So right. no, I don't think they're going to, they're going to do that. Yeah. It, it really depends on what you mean by on the radar, you know, as was stated in the chat, exalted one basically said, you know, um, he thinks, you know, the Browns have everyone on their radar, and I agree with that. They're looking at every free agent out there. They're going to do their due diligence on everyone. I heard Deron Payne mentioned being as on the radar. Uh, Deron Payne was going to cost so much money. I just didn't see him as being in the Browns wheelhouse whatsoever. Uh, so it uh, sort of de- depends on what you mean by that. Uh, I certainly think that they would do their due diligence on all three of those players. One guy who's gotten a lot of attention is Jesse Bates. And OG Philly asked whether we think that uh, uh, Jesse Bates and Watson having the same agent is driving some of the narrative of our potential interest. Uh, I don't think either Fred or I could prove that. Um, You know, it's an interesting side note. Uh, But the Browns obviously need a safety. Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties out there, or maybe the best safety. 
one of the best free agents out there, and I and he plays for a rival. And I think those things sort of that dictates why people are talking about him, right, Fred? Yeah, and you know, if somebody asks Bates, you know, would you like to play with Watson? What's he going to say? He wants to get paid. Yeah. The money's the same. You know, if you get the most from Cleveland or wherever, why you um, why would you try to uh, play down learn in or so yeah they could go in any of number of directions I just think it's going to come down to you know the number of elite edges versus the elite defensive tackles elite safeties or elite wide receivers you know or whatever the position is who they think they can get the most value for their money I've said this before, rather than spend $10 million on a one-year on Jadavian Clowney and get two sacks and have him miss six games, how about get a, you know, like last year, Melvin Ingram, one year, $4 million, had six sacks, and Hughes uh, went to the Texans for like five, six million, had nine sacks. So you would have got two players, 15 sacks for the same $10 million. That makes more sense to me. If you're going to go for those shorter one year incentive laden contracts. So, right. You know, that's what I would see him looking at. Right. And I agree with you on Jesse Bates sort of saying, you know, what that, sure, I'd like to play with Deshaun Watson. I'll, you know, he'd like to play with anyone who's going to write him a nice big check. I'm sure, you know, this uh, came out today. I mean, if anything happens with the Cleveland Browns, somebody's going to write about it. Right. And one of the things that happened is that a friend of Paris Campbell's was on a podcast recently and said Paris Campbell, the wide receiver from the Colts, who had a very nice year last year, says, oh, yeah, he's open to playing with the Browns. Well, of course he is. He's open to playing with all 32 teams who, you know, have a checkbook, I would imagine. Uh, And, you know, I'm not sure I consider that newsworthy, but uh, it probably makes you feel good as a Browns fan and makes you think that maybe, Oh, we have an inside uh, uh, shot at this guy, you know, or something like that. You know, maybe I'm just a cynical creep. I, I, I don't know, Fred, but uh, uh, I, I hear that a lot this time of year. Oh, I'd love to play with the Browns. I'd love to play with the Browns. And uh, it's well, there's a guy who are looking for checks. I think my wide receiver you know, will be one of the, I'll tell you that it's going to be one of the stories of one of the five steps and how to address it. But not that they're just from Ohio state, but I think Michael Thomas to me is very intriguing. I mean, this guy was a monster with the saints, 119 catches, hundred, he had like over a hundred catches and he fell off the radar the last two and a half years because he injured his ankle and so forth. If he's healthy, he's now, an approve it situation. If you could land a guy like that on a one year incentive laden contract to revive his career, even if, even if he moves on after a year there, there could be, you know, the biggest win of the off season. Paris Campbell's another one. I mean, he's not had a big year yet. He's underperformed. And with Watson, this could be his coming out party with the Browns. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. There's a lot of potential, you know, with that in this free agent. Absolutely. Well, you know, the appeal of playing with a uh, quality quarterback, uh, 
in in Cleveland is probably uh, much better than uh, uh, playing with some of the guys who've rolled through here over the last 23 years. But uh, we'll leave it at that here tonight. Uh, we have done an hour of uh, hopefully quality Cleveland Browns talking information. I think it's been quality, right, Fred? You know, over this last hour. And we hope you guys have enjoyed it and just want to thank you for all the questions and comments that keep this show going uh, throughout. And thank you, uh, Sensei Fred Greetham, for uh, your knowledge and uh, your uh, wisdom during the course of the hour. We will be back here again next Wednesday when the action will be fast and furious as free agency fires off in 2023. It's going to be awesome. And we hope you are here to join us next week for OBR Weekly and all of our free agency coverage on the OBR. Good night, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.